Are you glad to be saved this morning? Amen. Me too. Let's read from the Word of God. If you would stand with me, please. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, The Invisible War. The Invisible War. I'm going to do my best to expose the devil. Now, let me tell you something about this message. I have learned after over 20 years of preaching that when I preach on the devil, he doesn't like it. And he will do everything he can for the next 30 or 35 minutes to distract you. Amen, preacher. I've been doing this for over 20 years, and I can tell you what happens. So we're going to expose the devil. He doesn't like to be exposed. Let's begin reading in chapter number 6 of the book of Ephesians, beginning in verse number 10. Paul says this, verse number 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Amen. Strong in the Bible, strong in the Lord, strong in the paralyzed, and in the power of his might. Never preached this message before. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That is the cunning arts of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Seems like he's telling us to get up off our haunches, amen. He says, stand therefore, verse number 14, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all, underline that word, put a box around that word, ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Father, we're grateful for this Sunday. I pray that we've entered in with, a, with, a prep, with our feet prepared for the gospel. I pray you'd prepare our hearts now to receive your word. I pray that you'd build this church up with, with a defense to fight the devil. We realize, Heavenly Father, as we read these scriptures, that we are in a spiritual and a scriptural warfare this morning. Help us to be good soldiers and fight the good fight of faith. Feed us now from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you. There is this morning an invisible war. It is a continuing conflict between good and evil. It is a continuing conflict between light and darkness, Christ and Satan. It is a continuing war between God and the evil forces of this world. I'm glad one day this war is going to be over, praise God. I get tired of fighting this spiritual warfare and the Bible says that there is not a discharge in this war. You can't get out of it. You say, well, the Lord's going to come again. Yeah, and when he comes, he'll establish a thousand-year kingdom, and there'll still be spiritual warfare. 
during that kingdom. And when that kingdom's over, praise God, we can step into eternity and lay our armor down. But until that time, dear friend, let's put on the whole armor of God. There's no discharge in this war. There's eight discharges in the military. And the United States military has eight different discharges ranging from dishonorable to honorable. You can get discharged out of the army for medical reasons, for mental reasons, for misconduct reasons, but you'll never get discharged from a spiritual warfare. Let me tell you about this spiritual warfare. The end of this thing is either heaven or hell. I'm not going to mollycoddle around and tell you there's a purgatory or you can pay penance and get out. There's a heaven or a hell, and eternity is too long to be wrong. We better fight the good fight of faith and get our spiritual warfare armor on and be right with God and live our lives in defense of the gospel. Somebody say amen. Thank you. This war is being raged right now. It's not a war in Afghanistan or Ukraine. This war is being raged right now in the walls of this church. This war is being waged in this community. This war is being waged all in our world today. Are you aware there's a spiritual war going on? Are you seeing the invisible? If you're not seeing the invisible, you can't do the impossible. Amen. There is an invisible war raging today. If you don't see it, you've already lost it. So number one, I'm going to give you three points. We have an adversary. How do I win an invisible war, preacher? If I can't see it, how do I win it? Well, you've got to learn to spot the enemy. Yes, sir. And the enemy is Satan. If you don't learn to spot him, you've already lost the war. If you're looking for Satan with your physical eyes, you're going to miss him. If you're looking for Satan with your education, you're going to miss him. If you're looking for Satan with your intellect, you're going to miss him. But if you look through the spiritual eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ and through the scriptures, you can find him everywhere you look. Amen. Amen. And the reason that our nations and our community are heading down an immoral road to hell is because they're refusing to see what the devil is doing to our nations and our homes. Yes, sir. We need to wage this invisible warfare. The only way to spot him is through the lens of Scripture. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. Don't let the devil mollycoddle around right and wrong. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Amen. And so we're to have a 2020 vision as we look at the panorama of the world through the lens of Scripture. If we don't spot the enemy, he will be on us and attack us quickly. Wars are won because a nation learns to spot the enemy. What do you do in Chilhowee when you're going to play football against that other team for state? You send spies to video their games. And then the coach brings that game into the locker room and says, here's who you're going to face. And listen. I'm going to expose this morning who we're going to face on a daily basis. The first ploy of an opponent is to camouflage himself. 
You know what a general does when he's got all kinds of tanks? He camouflages them. He's not stupid. You know what a hunter does when he goes in the woods and he climbs his tree stand? He don't have on something just glowing. He's got on camouflage. You know what a boxer does when he punches with a one-two punch? He punches first and he hides the second punch behind the boxing glove and he punches the second punch. He camouflages the second punch with the first one. Are you all with me? And so the devil is going to hide himself. The devil says, oh, I'm not here. I'm not real. I don't exist. Well, you might as well believe in the Cyclops as believe in me. You might as well believe in Paul Bunyan as believe in me or Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy. That's what the devil loves to do. And then there's another theory The devil's not really loose on earth. He's down there in hell somewhere shoveling coal. You better get real, friend. The Bible says he is a roaring lion, walketh about. He's not in chains of hell. He's not shoveling coal. He's walking about and he's devouring people and taking them to hell. He's destroying nations. Amen. Oh, there's no need to worry. The devil says I don't exist. Let me tell you something. If I'd ask you where the devil is this morning, probably a lot of you'd say, well, he's down there in that new casino drinking beer. Let me tell you where else he's at. He's in pulpits this morning. Oh, he's, he's down there. The devil, he's down there in somewhere in the Tri-Cities area. He's a drunk laying there. Yeah, that's part of it. But I'm going to tell you something. The devil stood behind Sunday school podiums this morning. The devil got dressed up in his nice clothes and came to church with a smile all over this region this morning. Amen. Yes, sir. And you know what? We better spot him. Amen. Hey, he's not just in hell shoveling coal. He's not a myth. He's a roaring, devouring lion. We need to show up to battle. And if we don't show up to battle without armor, we're missing it, friend. Listen to me. Just as sure as there's a God, there's a devil. Just as sure as there's a, there's a Godhead, the Trinity, there's a Trinity of evil. We get in the choir on Easter Sunday morning and we sing, He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. Yeah. And on the other hand, we better be singing, The devil lives too. Yes, sir. He's alive and He's well. Yes, sir. Just as sure as there's God, there's a Satan. And I've quoted this scripture. I don't know why this scripture keeps coming to my mind so much. But the reason we're not seeing it, the Bible says, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. You better believe, friend. I don't care how ignorant the Today Show makes you feel for believing the Word of God. Amen. I don't care how ignorant the modern Hollywood or hilly weird makes you feel for believing the Word of God. You better believe the Word of God. There's a devil. We're given four descriptions of the devil here. I'm going to preach on him. He, number one, write these down. He's subtle. Subtle. Now, I want you to notice the way the Bible spells subtle. We spell subtle modern-day spelling, S-U-B-T-L-E. That means refined, easily moved. But subtle, the Bible spells it S-U-B-T-I-L. You know what that means? Treacherous, 
Oh yeah, he's subtle, he's clever, he has wiles, the Bible says, that schemes. The devil's always scheming. You know what a scheme is? A scheme's an idea to destroy you. A scheme is an idea to get your money. You face schemes every day. They call you every day telling you something. They're trying to sell you a new warranty for your car. Telling you it's ex- your warranty's expired. That's a scheme. The, de- the 1828 dictionary says about this subtlety, it is deceitful, cunning, crafty, and treacherous. The devil has been painted as this pitchfork-bearing red animal with a pointy tail and horns and this pointy pitchfork. Hey, let me tell you something. That's the way the world wants you to see the devil. You believe the cartoony. You be, listen, if you let Bugs Bunny define your devil, you're going to be messed up, friend. I'm telling you, the devil is the God of this world. The Bible says that he's an angel of light. He's the God of this world. Where is he at, then, preacher? If we got to fight him, he's in hell, weird, making movies. He's in Washington making laws. Amen. He's in the Vatican making religion. He's busy. He's in your community, and he's attempting force entry into your home. The Bible says he's an angel of light. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that if we are ignorant of his devices, if we're ignorant of his cunning, his crafty, if we're ignorant of them, then he will overtake us. The Bible uses the word gain the advantage over us. That is the upper hand. That is the dominance. That is the advantage. I don't know about you, friend, but I don't want the devil having an upper hand on me. He'll destroy you. He'll destroy your home. He'll destroy your career. He'll destroy your finances. The thief cometh not but for to kill and to steal. But I'm glad Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Thank God. We better open our spiritual eyes this morning. He's a master at counterfeit. The Bible says, let me give you three things. I told you to be subpoints. Here's three T's for a subpoint under he's subtle. Number one, there is a trinity. Satan has a trinity. Listen to this. I don't have time for you to turn there. The Bible says in Revelation 16, 13, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. The devil counterfeits God's trinity. The dragon represents God, the the beast represents Christ, and the false prophet represents the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something, there's a false trinity out there and people are falling right into it. And and there's something else there. He says, I saw three unclean spirits come out of their mouths like frogs. Have you noticed, I'm just throwing this out there, tell me your idea on it. I've noticed that our modern society has this affinity for reptiles anymore. I mean, snakes don't bother me and frogs don't bother me. I used to chase girls with them. <laughs> that, but, but listen, there's, a, un, there's an unnatural affection for reptiles. I believe that's a last day's signs. So we know that, that there is a 
Trinity. There's Satan also has a tabernacle. We studied it in Wednesday night, just a few Wednesday nights ago, Revelation 2, 9. He has a synagogue of Satan. The devil has false prophets. The devil has false witnesses. The devil has false Christs. The devil has false Christians. Amen, preacher. There's a synagogue. He not only has a trinity, he has a tabernacle. The Bible says, so for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Let me tell you about the devil. He don't mind for you to have a little religion. The devil's up to his ears in religions. The more religions he can create, the better off he is in confusion. By the way, he's the author of confusion. Oh, he's up to his ears in religion. You know, they have this Unitarian church today, and they call this Unitarian a church. And this, this Sunday, they'll, they'll study uh, Hinduism. Next Sunday, they'll study Confucianism. And next Sunday, they'll study some other New Age movement, and they call it a responsible search for truth. I'm going to tell you something. A responsible search for truth, if you really want truth, will lead you to Jesus Christ. They don't know what they believe. They, 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 don't, they call it a church, but they don't know what to believe. Somebody said, if you make one of them Unitarians mad, they'll burn a question mark in your yard. Some of y'all get that tomorrow. Amen. Satan is not against religions. He has his own theology. Listen to this. He has his own trinity. He has his own tabernacle. He has his own theology. The Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The devil's got his own doctrine. The devil's got his own church. The devil's got his own trinity. Hey, you cannot be... Look at verse number 10. What does the Bible say? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm going to make a statement, and don't you forget this statement. If you forget everything else I say today, you cannot be strong in the Lord and weak in the word. Let me say that again, and I want to hear an amen. You cannot be strong in the Lord and weak in the word. Amen. Are you in the word of God? The power of his might is demonstrated in the knowledge of the word of God. That's why we not only read the Bible, that's why we have Sunday school. That's why we're trying to generate some excitement in Sunday school so we can get these kids and have a little fun and do a few games and have a little competition and give away a few prizes. And then you know what we're going to do? We're going to give them the word of God. We're going to wire their bodies out and give them the word. Amen. Amen. It's a ploy. It's a scheme. I got my own schemes. Amen. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. Let me just make you aware of something. Not only is God a trinity, not only is Satan a trinity, you are a trinity. You are body, soul, and spirit. And if you're not careful, your body and soul will get in the way of your spirit. I mean, I'm exposing the devil. And your body's going to say, well, I don't see it. That's what your body's going to say. And your soul is going to say, well, I'm an emotional center, and I don't experience it, but if you're spiritual, you'll see it. And so he fights. The devil fights us. He is subtle, number one. Number two, give you this second as quickly. I've got to hurry. He's spiritual, verse number 12. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me tell you something. Just as God likes to operate in high places, the devil likes to operate in high places. Our government's full of spiritual wickedness. Our justice system is full of spiritual wickedness. We wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's why the Bible says that we're to try the spirits and see if they be of God. Let me tell you something. I'm going to put the spirits on trial with the word of the living God. And that's where I'm going to not only be able to see like a pair of binoculars, I'm not only going to be able to see the devil, I'm going to be able to spot the devil because I'm going to try the spirits. Amen. Not only is the devil subtle, S-U-B-T-I-L, he's spiritual. Number three, he's sinister. He's the darkness of this world. Let me tell you about the devil. He means to harm you. The devil's not going to do nothing for your good. He means to hurt you. Now, let me give you, especially you kids, you listen to young people. The devil will help you occasionally to hurt you later. He'll, the devil, I've said this before, and I like this analogy, it's mine, and I'll, I'll use it again if I want to. The devil will help you fix a flat at this mile marker to run you off the bridge because he moved the sign down yonder about three miles down the road. He loves to help you now and be your friend now so he can hurt you later. Right. On the other hand, God doesn't mind to hurt you now if it'll help you later. Amen. He doesn't mind to, to stick a needle in you and numb you up and give you some surgery and cut you open and, and whatever it takes. If he, can, if he can give you a little pain now to save you a lot of pain later, God will do that. And when you compare the two and you say, wait a minute, the devil's helping me, but God's hurting me. Yeah, it's all on the short term. Amen. The long term is God intends to help you. Amen. He's doing it for your good. The devil is sinister. Number four, he's strong. Strong. Levels of influence in government, in justice, in temptation. He's powerful in his ability to harm. Look what he did to Job. And somebody has erroneously said, well, the devil doesn't have the power to take life. He couldn't take Job's life. Well, you better think about that because he took Job's children's life. Amen. Ooh, that one went a little deep, didn't it? He didn't take them. Until God gave him permission. But God gave the devil permission to take a life. Amen. I'm going to look you straight in the eyeball. And in serious, and I'm, I'm being as stern and serious as I can be in love at the same time. You better not play around on God. The Bible says, behold, the goodness and severity of God. We want to see God's goodness. By the way, the, the Christian attitude today, I'm just going to preach a little bit. The Christian attitude today seems to be like, what can I be, can I, what, how can I be saved and still get away with this? So number one, he's subtle. Number two, he's spiritual. Number three, he's sinister. Number four, he's 
strong. Now we have an adversary, and I've got to hurry through these, but we also, number one, we have an adversary, but number two, we have an armor. And what I'm going to do with this armor is I'm going to turn it around. Everybody always preaches on the armor of God. I'm going to preach on what the devil has and how we can defend him. Number one, the devil fights with error. And that's why the first thing the Bible says here is to have your loins girt about with truth. The first thing, God didn't say the shield, he didn't say the helmet, he didn't say the feet. He said the first thing you need is truth. The devil is going to fight you with deception and error, number one. Get the truth and sell it not, the Bible says. Buy the truth and sell it not. You better be in the Word of God, getting the truth. The belt, the belt held all the rest of the armor together. It was called the girdle. It held, it held the loins. It held the breastplate. It held the rest of the armor together. If you lost your girdle, you was in trouble. Jesus himself fought with truth. The truth will sanctify you. The Bible talks about the spirit of truth. I don't know about you. As a Christian, as a born-again Christian, I can't help but love truth. I love it when somebody preaches truth. I love it when somebody teaches truth. I just eat it up when I have somebody witness the truth. It just, I mean, it just does something to me. I like it. Yet we're living in a world that dodges it, hates it. They'd rather be told a lie. They'd rather live in deceit. They'd rather live in a fairy tale world as face the truth. That's just, I don't even understand that. So he fights us with error. Number one, we need a girdle of truth. He fights us, number two, with sin. That's why the Bible says put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is the opposite of sin. The devil is looking for a crack in your armor. Because the breastplate protects the heart. And if the devil can tempt you in your mind, and whatever that little temptation that he put in your mind, if it gets down and through that armor and in that crack and into your heart, and the devil gets in your heart, he's hard to get out of there. Amen. That's why we're to put on every day the breastplate of righteousness. The Bible says, neither give place unto the devil. A blow to your heart will take you out of the battle. You know something? Satan fears a holy Christian. That's why the Bible tells us to put on the whole armor and also the holy armor. Satan fears a holy Christian. We're to put on the whole armor and the holy armor of God. Let me go back to my point. Is this your attitude? What can I do to be saved but still get away with this? Hey, if you're saved, you have a desire to be holy. If you're saved, you have a desire to please God. If you're truly born again, there's an innate internal desire for righteousness. The world doesn't have it. The world doesn't display it. Your friends, most of your friends aren't going to have it. And your 
classmates and your co-workers, but you got it. You got it. And there's something inside of you that wants to do right, talk right, act right, be right, and be a witness for God. There's something in there for that. Amen, preacher. He fights with sin. He fights with discouragement. That's why the Bible says that your feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The devil's going to fight you with discouragement. Amen. He's going he's to try to, well, you don't need to go to church. Did you, did you, listen, I've been up since 4 o'clock this morning. I'm t- my mind is in a cloud right now, just about. I've been up, you know what I've been doing? I've been praying. Wasn't nothing else to do. I don't like to watch TV. I don't even know what's on at 4 o'clock in the morning. So I've, just been, I've been bending God's ear all morning. I wanted my feet shod with preparation. Amen. Did you come prepared for the gospel this morning? Did you pray for the service? Did you think about it last night to pray for your pastor and for your church and for those on the prayer list? What about those in this box up here that are lost? What about all those on the prayer list? It's the sick list. The, hey, did you, did you come? I'm just asking. I'm not, don't look at me like I'm killing you. Uh, I'm just asking, did you come prepared for church? I'm not asking you, did you get up at 4 o'clock this morning? I'm not asking that. That's, that's probably very much unnecessary, although I would appreciate it if you get up and pray for me. But listen, are you prepared? See, the reason we're discouraged is we're not prepared. The preparation of the gospel, our feet shod. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, one of the things, I'm going to get in the flesh, because one of the things that used to make me mad, so mad, I'd make the kids shovel the barn. And you know what's in the barn if you're going to shovel the barn. I don't need, I don't need to go to that much detail. And Lisa would send them to the barn in a pair of Crocs. <laughs> Let me do, Crocs. You know what Crocs are? Yeah, it's in plastic shoes with holes in them. That don't shed manure too good. And I, I finally picked up on it. Them kids, they wanted to wear Crocs to the barn because they knew they wouldn't have to shovel if they wore them. And I'd finally say, hey, you send them kids up. Listen, you can't split wood on the hillside in a pair of them hay dudes. You better have your feet shot. You're going to get discouraged if you don't have your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How many soldiers came through that door that, that weren't prepared for the message, had not prayed, they, they were unconceived, it was just another day at church, glad it didn't rain, did you hear that thunder this morning? Hey, what about praying? What about preparing? What about pre- the preparation of the gospel of peace? Amen. Well, to be leaping, not limping. Well, to come through that door leaping. Boy, I've been praying, preacher. I've been, I'm come with my cup up. I've been witnessing on the job. I've been working for the Lord. I need a refill, preacher. Hey, well, to be leaping, not limping. Amen. The devil loves a, leap, a limping Christian. That's why in World War II, they scattered all that barbed wire. If you didn't, if you, you listen, you didn't wear Crocs in the battle in World War II. Amen. You'd have barbed toes, Amen. They had razor wire. You know, the devil does the same thing. He wants to discourage you from getting to his front line, so he's got the barbed wire down. Our feet ought to be shed or shod with the gospel of peace. 
Now let me go one step further. The devil wants a wounded soldier. You see, if you kill a soldier, an enemy soldier, you can leave him laying on the battlefield. But if you wound one, it takes two to get him off. So you got to have three soldiers. You just got rid of three soldiers from the battlefield if you wound one. And the devil wants, listen to me, oh, I'm hitting home. The devil wants to discourage you, and if he does, he can take two more with him. You know why there are empty pews this morning? Somebody got discouraged. You know what I've seen in the last two years? I'm just going to hit you hard. I mean, you're here. Praise God for you. But I'm telling you what I've seen, and it's discouraging to me if I don't prepare my heart, is people just skipped out. It's not just us. Every preacher I talk to is missing at least a third of his congregation. Pre-COVID. A third. Oh, you say it's the spirit of Antichrist moving in. Yeah, but I'm a victor, praise God. I've got joy in my heart. I've got a song on my tongue. Hey, there's victory in Jesus. He fights us with doubt. That's why we need a shield of faith. You're never going to stop having doubts. I don't care if the worst sinner in the world goes from a drunk and a dopehead to being saved. Somewhere down the road, they're going to have doubts. One woman ran up to D.L. Moody many years ago, and she said, Mr. Moody, Pastor Moody, she said, I've been saved for 40 years, and I've never had a doubt. He said, I doubt you're saved. You're going to have doubts. There's going to be people, the shield of faith is going to quench the fiery darts. The wicked, didn't say the devil's going to shoot fiery darts, it said the wicked are. The wicked are. They're going to shoot fiery darts. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? They're going to make up stuff. They're going to shoot at you. And the Bible, listen, this shield of faith, it's not this little Captain America round shield. The shield of faith in that day was a great big oval shield that could protect the whole body. Above all, it says, take the shield of faith where you're able to, to quench all of the fiery darts of the devil. And i got to close here. He fights with mind games. Mind games. That's why he says, take the helmet of salvation. The devil's going to attack your mind. The devil can't go straight to your heart. He can't go straight to your heart. He's got to get in your head first. And when he starts in his head with these head games, and you start thinking about it, and you give way to temptation, you start listening to his doubts, you start listening to his accusations, he starts heaping guilt on you, it's going to get down in here. And when he gets down in here... It's going to take you out of the battle. So the Bible says put on the helmet of salvation. Hey, you know what that helmet will do? That will block the blows. You know what a boxer does? A boxer, an opposing boxer, he's going to try to come in with a hook. And that hook is not, a, that's a jab, straight. But that boxer is going to try to get that hook in there. Because when you hit somebody with a hook in the jaw, it whips their head sideways and their head whips back, and it causes the brain to bounce off the inside of the skull, and that's how they go neurologically neutralized. That's how they get knocked out. And the devil knows he can knock you out with one good right hook. But if you've got on the helmet of salvation, you can resist that. You know, one of the things I always thought was stupid, you see these football players... And they get in this big argument, 
And they start fighting. And the first thing to do is take off their helmet. Well, you big dummy. That linebacker over there, he weighs about 300 pounds and you just took off your helmet? What kind of stupid are you? Hey, Christian, you're facing a linebacker bigger than 300 pounds. Don't take off your helmet of salvation. Oh, you better get up and put up and, and clothe up because number one, you have an adversary. Number two, you have an armor. But number three, you have an ally. The Bible says in the very first verse we read, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Don't be strong in yourself. Don't be strong in your own will. Don't be strong in your own intellect. Don't be strong in your own education. Don't be strong in all these things that pertain to you. Be strong in the Lord. And the Bible says, and in the power of His might. The only way you can win is with Jesus Christ. The only way you can conquer is with Jesus Christ. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Is there a stronghold in your life? He can break it. Is there a sin in your life? He can get rid of it. You need direction in your life. Hey, he's the captain of our salvation. Hey, let me tell you something. There's one bigger than the devil and his name is Jesus. You better open your spiritual eyes, friend, and see that the mountains are full of the armies of God just waiting. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of him whose heart is perfect toward him. Where's your heart? Is it guarded from the outside with a breastplate? From the top with a helmet? Is your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel? I lost you about right there. When I hit you hard with that preparation of the gospel, because that got right down where we live, didn't it? We're not prepared. We got our feet naked. We're stepping on the barbed wire of the devil, and we're discouraged. Look at me. I'm not discouraged this morning. If I have to drive an hour, if God calls me to a church two hours away to preach to 15 people, I'm going to go with joy bells ringing. I'm not discouraged. I don't care if COVID goes around the 900th time, praise God. I'm not discouraged. Why? Preparation. Get in this book. Get prepared. And have some real joy in your heart. Amen. He says pray in the Spirit. He says this, praying in the Spirit. Praying with perseverance. Not sporadic prayer, but continual prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to hit you right where I saw it. And listen, as I preached through this armor, I looked with eyes, spiritual eyes, and I saw a chink in your armor. I saw a chink in your armor. There's a weakness right there in that preparation of the gospel of peace. Now what I want you to do, I'm just going to ask you. If the Lord spoke to your heart and said, you know, that hits you. That hits you. I want to ask you to come to the altar right now, quickly. Preacher, that hit me. Just be honest. Won't you be honest with God? Amen. They're coming. Anybody else? Come on. If that hits you, God spoke to you. 
Hey, get it right. We want the whole armor. I, want, I don't know about you. I don't want to face the devil naked. Anybody else? Come on. Lord, I've got a chink in my armor. I want to be prepared. Anybody else? Before we open the doors of the church. Preacher, I want to be better prepared. Can I tell you as a pastor, I want you better prepared. You got one honest lady here this morning. One. <laughs> Loins girt about with truth. Where's your armor at this morning? Oh, it's easy to dress up in the armor and come to church. But where will it be in the morning? Will you go to work prayed up? Prepared up? Will you go to work with the preparation of the gospel of peace? You say, preacher, how can you preach on armor and peace? Well, think about it like this. A police officer is an officer of peace, is he not? But he's wearing a gun. Huh? He's wearing a gun. He's armed. He's got on his armor. He can't be a peacekeeping force unless he's armed. You, dear Christian, cannot be a peacekeeping force unless you're armed. Are you clothed? Are you ready? I'm glad victory was won at Calvary. I'm glad Satan, you can look this way. You can smile because Satan is a defeated enemy. I just need to put on the armor. All right.